This is Company, I'm Sky Manson. Today's guest, Sophie Weeding, is a rural girl born and bred, now making her mark as a super talent in the bed and breakfast creator economy in Tasmania. Born of late nights scrolling on Pinterest while breastfeeding her babies, Sophie realised that she could channel her skills in design and branding into a venture recreating old homes near her farm in Tasmania. To date, she has three super gorgeous accommodation options under her belt. The Bruni Boathouse, Rafa House and the latest addition, a beach shack on the east coast of Tasmania. Sophie is a full-time mum, she's the secretary of the local ag show, but her love project is the renovation and management of these three bed and breakfasts. She lives in Oatlands in Tasmania with her husband Nick and her two children, Willie and Archie. Soph actually grew up in the lush landscapes of Western Victoria, so I started by asking her how on earth she ended up in Tasmania. Well, I had a good friend who lived down here. And so another friend and I came down to visit her in Tassie nine years ago. I went to some local country races and met a farmer. We did long distance from Victoria to Tasmania, if you can call that long distance, for eight months. And then I made the big move to Tassie. Was it like moving to a new country or tell me what it's like in Tassie. I just, it's all very idealistic in my mind, but the reality of living there. Yeah. So it's an island, which I always forget because it's just so choppers full of little townships and places to see and things to do. It is very much like sort of the English countryside and there's Hawthorne hedges sort of lining all the roads in so many areas. It's a really good way of living. Yeah, just expansive countryside where we live. I live on my husband's family property. So it's, yeah, just surrounded by sometimes rolling green hills, but our average rainfall is 500 mils. So we're not the most lush region of Tasmania. (laughs) It's, It's a really lovely place to live just because you're so close to towns. Where we are is the southern midlands of Tasmania. It is an hour from Hobart and around an hour from Launceston. So I can go north or south just to get that fix if I need to from a city, which is so good. So accessible. It's so amazing. And so tell me about the family farm and what happens there. My husband, Nick, and his brother, Anthony, and their mum and dad, John and Maria, who are all, yeah, they're on the property together. We have sheep and mixed cropping. We've got a lot of irrigation that we've just put in in the last 10 years. So we've got a lot of crops that we probably couldn't have had 10 years ago, which is incredible. So my husband sort of is loosely known as the stock manager and Anthony, his brother, is the cropping manager. So, but we all mix it up. And so you mentioned you only have 500 mils as your annual rainfall. That's like not a lot at all. So is it often dry there? It is. Yeah. You sort of pray for good autumn rain. It is quite dry. Generally in the summertime, it's rather barren, quite often feeding out, doing that sort of standard thing. But with irrigation, like I said, we've just had a whole lot of water come through this area and we've all bought into quite a lot of the water and able to irrigate crops so we can have fodder crops for the stock in the drier months, which is, yeah, just a game changer. Does it remind you of home? 
Well, where I grew up in country Victoria, in Western Victoria, it was a really lush place. Like it was so green. Pretty, it's a pretty similar environment. Like it's it was very sort of English around there as well. So it does remind me a lot of home, which is nice. How do you go with the distance between home and Tassie? I mean, you can't just jump in the car and head home. No, that's so frustrating. When I first started dating a Tasmanian, I was like, well, if I was to ever move here, it's really just a 40-minute flight and then I'm in Victoria or Tasmania. But then, yeah, obviously in the last few years that reality has been a bit different. It is still really accessible. I mean, compared to where you and I met back in Western Australia, that was a big trip back to the East Coast to see family. So it's, it's not too bad. They Can come down spontaneous about it. I mean, COVID aside. Yeah, definitely. With kids, yeah, as you know, it can sometimes, spontaneity is not really a word I use much, but we have such a good little tribe down here. Like my in-laws are so hands-on with the boys. We're so lucky for that. So, and my husband's very good at co-parenting. Two weeks out, decided that I'd go back and visit mum and dad a few weeks ago and went over there for five days and was just able to jump on the plane and head over there, which was just a pinch myself moment after the last three years where you couldn't do that, but you can now. And it's just amazing to be able to do that again. And so, so what did you study after school? I was talking to a friend about this only a few days ago. When I was at school, I just didn't really apply myself like my parents probably really hoped and prayed that I would have. So I probably wasn't the class A student. I was really creative and loved sort of looking at books and was visually inspired. So it turned out that when they did those tests you did in year 12 about what career path you should probably choose, mine was that possibly visual merchandising might be a thing for me. But I went on a gap year as soon as I finished year 12, went to the UK and worked at a school. It's sort of like a rite of passage really for so many kids from Australia and spent the year travelling around whilst I wasn't working at the school and came back and still had no idea what I wanted to do and jumped into marketing and I just completed a diploma in marketing. Yeah, so it was a bit like, yeah, whatever, like it's not really that interesting. So I sort of jumped around temping in jobs and... Then my boyfriend at the time said, I'm going to WA, I've got a job in the mines. So jumped in the car, crossed the Nullarbor and walked into a recruitment agency over there to get a job and ended up working at the recruitment agency and then spiralled into a 10-year career of recruitment. (laughs) No, I have nothing to do with that now. So, Did you enjoy recruitment? I did. I loved meeting people and interviewing them, probably because I hadn't found the fit for me in my career path, but finding the right job for other people was very rewarding. And just meeting different people, all walks of life, and just working in that sort of real team environment was really nice as well. And it was very easy work, if that's such a thing. I mean, it was hardcore because there were, it was before the financial the GFC in 2008 that was well so once that all happened it sort of changed a bit but Mm. I don't know it was at a time where Western Australia was just so booming and lots of interest and lots of people coming from the eastern states over to Western Australia to try and make some money in the mines yeah 
So it was a good time. <laughs> it was fun. So what made you move back? We decided to move back just because it sort of had run its time. I think the mining, yeah, because the jobs had sort of slimmed down at that time as well, obviously as a result of the GFC. My partner and I went back to Victoria just because we missed our families and it was just so far away and sort of thought maybe we just need to put our grown-up boots on and actually figure out what we're going to do with our lives. So that sort of is what pulled us back over to the East Coast. And at that time, did you continue on in recruitment? And just so interested to know how Renault's and B&B's came into oh, your being. I know. I was just sitting there trying to think <laughs> what I actually did. But I did. I went, had a couple of jobs in recruitment over there, but then I just knew that it wasn't for me. And there were quite a few things that I knew weren't for me at that time. So one of them was my job at the time. And I went and studied web design back at uni. And because I just loved, and it was all sort of, yeah, it was like 2010, 11, when social media was just creeping in after MySpace. Like it was all kind of oh, like, yes. it was appearing. And there was just, I was seeing that there was a bit of online stuff happening and I was a bit intrigued by it. And I sort of saw that websites were becoming more of a thing. And I thought that could be quite a cool career path to take. So I actually got a job in a homewares shop and did their website and socials for them, but then also happened to meet my now husband at that time. And I was doing web design and working in homewares and her shop was beautiful. Like it just had the most stunning thing. So I was surrounded by really beautiful homewares and furnishings. And it was just, yeah, it was a, it sort of when that kind of like, like provoked me just it, yeah that was the awakening I suppose for where I've now ended up just being inspired by that time of my life and then I jumped into another homewares company in Melbourne before I then moved to Tassie so and do you still work in like web development and web design I limp along with it I <laughs> <laughs> love that so I am hopeless at self-promotion. I can't bear it. I think a lot of people have that problem where they can't push themselves out, but I do love doing it and it is a little side hustle and it's so good just being able to do it at home with kids and I can do a website for anybody anywhere across Australia. You don't need (laughs) to meet face-to-face to do it. So yeah, it's something that I dabble in still. Tell me about your B&Bs and the process of renovating houses, was that something you were seeking or did it land in your lap? It landed in my lap with a three-week-old newborn on my hip. (laughs) It's a really good time to start big projects when you're a first-time mum. I probably would not do that again. (laughs) But, yeah, so my parents were visiting when we just had our first child, Willie, Mum was just walking down the main street of Oatlands and saw this little sandstone cottage and heard a whisper that it might be going up for sale. And she came racing home and she was like, oh, you really need to take a look at this place. This is like fate. I mean, we're all coming down to visit you. And I've got three sisters and mum and dad. And so two of my sisters have kids and it was all just a bit like, we can't fit you all in our house if you all come and It just was a good thought to have a base for them to use when they visit us in Oatlands, just because we are an hour from Hobart or Launceston. So just to have a 
little cottage in the local town was just so perfect to think that's something they could use. And then in other times we could Airbnb it and make a bit of money from it. So that was how that all began. But yeah, we went through and had a look at it and made an offer and we were successful and yes, yeah, sort of started wandering around and came up with a really brilliant concept, <laughs> which a builder looked at and he was just like, oh, this is just, yes, I want to do it. But whoa, those sketches are so wild. <laughs> just <laughs> no drawings, no professional designs, just scribbled down kitchen concepts on napkins. A year later, we had a completed house. Yeah. And I was pregnant with the second child by that stage. So <laughs> we had a very reliable team of builders and tradies that were able to help us through that year. It's a heritage property. So we had to be very considered about what we did and how we did it. We had to maintain the heritage integrity just, and I think we were very successful in making it a comfortable contemporary renovation within the bones of an old house so amazing so what kind of state was it in when you bought it there was just a lot of lino over floorboards and stucco plaster and the previous owners I think for at least 15 years had sat inside smoking the whole time and there was just nicotine stained walls and ceilings and a lot of exposed sandstone which is really porous and it absorbs all that smell it was in a good state. You could have lived in there, but for what we wanted it to be, we could just see how much more we could make it a statement piece. Like there was just all this internal sandstone walls and chimneys and it needed a spotlight on it, which was where you just ripped out a lot of plaster and put in fresh white walls and just let the stone speak for itself and ripped up all the liner and put back in all the nice floorboards and just comfortable woolen carpets in the bedrooms and just put our own mark on it. Mm. Oh, it sounds beautiful. So did you extend it at all? Were all your renovations within the it was original all, bones? Yeah, it was all within the original bones. There were just a few additions that had been made in the 70s, which was a really great era for mm-hmm. making fabulous additions to houses. And so often those buildings are quite dark. Did you, mm-hmm. what did you do to lighten things up? A lot of skylights. Really? <laughs> That's probably also why we did a lot of white walls as well, just to, you know, make it just appear brighter and downlights. It's incredible how much it's brightened it up. And minimal furniture, not cluttered. That helps too. <laughs> as it turns out, do your family come and stay there? Um, if they can get in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that is the problem with having an Airbnb that they need to be pretty prepared with when they want to come down and it's all sort of around the Airbnb calendar. But, yes, they do use it a lot. Yeah, it's great. It's well, really that's wonderful. Good. That was your first rodeo, but you've added more to your bow. So tell me about how they came along. So then we purchased Bruni Boathouse. Um, on Bruni Island, which is down south of Hobart. How far away is that from you? Two and a half hours door to door. And there's a ferry in between that. So it could be three, three and a half hours, depending on the ferry timetable. (laughs) Is that like where you would go and have a family holiday? Yeah. So we pack up the boys and head there to have a break. And just to 
teach the kids that there's more to life than farming because they are thrown into the ute. They're on the farm a lot <laughs> during the week and on the weekends when we're lambing or, you know, there's times you just can't get away from the farm, which a lot of people appreciate, I know. But, yes, my husband just sort of craved that outlet as a child. He's just so thrilled to be able to give this to our kids. And I always had it as a child as well, just knowing how great it was to get away on a summer holiday from the farm. So, yeah, it's really special for us to be able to do that. So were you going on holidays to Bruni before you bought the boat? We actually got engaged on Bruni. We went there for a weekend away and, yeah, got engaged. So it's definitely a place that meant something to us. We didn't get there a lot just because we have friends with places elsewhere on the coast in Tasmania. So we always visited them. But as soon as I saw the listing online, it had been listed 15 minutes previously and I received a notification and my husband was playing footy somewhere with no reception and I was calling him frantically and obviously his phone doesn't start working just because I keep repeatedly calling him. But <laughs> <So> <laughs> he came back into range and had about 10 missed calls from me and he was like, Soph's at home with two kids. Oh, my God, what's going on? And he calls me back and I'm like, we've got to go to Bruni tomorrow. He's like, What? Anyway, so we jumped in the car and it was just the listing photo was what is now sort of the statement picture of Bruni Boathouse. The bifold doors open out straight onto the ocean. So that was the listing main picture on the sale listing. And so we saw, I saw that and I was just like, I just need this place. I just need it. I just, yeah. And it was so like, it was just, it was a blank canvas. You know, it was eight years old. It was a new build. And so compared to what we'd come off from renovating Rafa House the year prior, this was just a piece of cake. (laughs) We just walked in and knew where exactly what piece of furniture was going where and we didn't have to do anything. It was just move in with the furniture and we were just able to switch off straight away and activate holiday mode. But, yeah, we Airbnb that as well and that's just gone bananas. But it's just Bruni Island itself as well. It's just such a destination. At that time, were you were you looking, you know, for another B&B project? And what was the market like? Like did you or you were just like? We dodged the market. We got that in September 2019. So we just, it had it been six months later, we would not have had a hope in hell of being able to purchase that property. There were four mainland parties that were interested in purchasing it, sight unseen, but just being locals, I think that was a sort of winning thing for us that we were Tasmanian. We were looking at places on Bruni just because we wanted to find somewhere for us to be able to holiday with our kids. So I had notifications on my phone for listings in the area. I think that was, yeah, like I said, just the fact that it was such a new build and it was just such a blank canvas and there was just minimal work required to just get it off the ground was the biggest draw card for us. It's so beautiful. You just have to go there one day. It's yeah. What's it like actually being there? It's indescribable, really. I was trying to think of that the other day. It's just as soon as you hop on that ferry and you leave mainland Tasmania, there's just this shift 
in your shoulders. It's just this weight comes away and you're just looking straight at. The water is quite often just so glassy, like a mill pond as you're going on the ferry over. Um, and you just see all these beautiful old gums just leaning into the ocean as you approach the island and you're just like, oh, it's me time. You just, you immediately switch off like it's a magical place. It just has this really special energy. You come away from it feeling so recharged and just invigorated in ways. I don't know. It's really, it's hard to describe. What's the best time of the year to go? I love going in winter just because where we are, we've got, big bifold windows it's all double glazed and you just sit there and we're perched right on Don Tricasto channel which overlooking toward satellite island and mainland Tassie and you are just mesmerized by the ocean it roars it turns it spins and then some days it is a mill pond and we're perched right up above the best beach on Bruni for kids to swim at as well so in summertime it's also really great just to be able to load up the trolley and cart everyone down to the beach and just sit there for all day <laughs> yeah it's I don't know hard to say when to go but it I love any season but yeah winter's pretty special amazing so so have you got another B&B as well or just two yeah, Rafa and Bruni are ours. And then my in-laws purchased a property on the main street of Oatlands as well for the new shearing contractors. So they're the sort of shearers quarters that we've got the people we use on the farm to come and stay at if they need because we're only two kilometres out of Oatlands. That's such a kind of new age way of thinking. How did that come about? so like I said we've got some shearers that we get in and it was a new contracting team and they weren't local so they required sleeping facilities which we did not have on the farm so we sort of weighed up what it would cost to build some shearers quarters on the farm or whether it was just worth purchasing this place in town so we snapped up this stunning little sandstone cottage just on the edge of town for the shearers and any other contractors. And my mother-in-law was a bit keen knowing that we had other B&Bs that we could just possibly jig it up for them and then list it online. So I do manage and run that property as well. And I kitted it out in a month, just went to town on it with a paintbrush and <laughs> furnishings. And yeah, the shearers sleep in French flax linen, so they're pretty spoiled. <laughs> Whoa. Is it, oh my goodness, do they even know what to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got one of those Samsung frame TVs, which is the picture on the wall. And they were like, you say that there's two televisions in here, but we can't find the other one because <laughs> it's a photograph of Lake Dolverton, the local lake in Oatlands. I'm like, oh. That's okay, boys. You've had a big day. (laughs) (laughs) I never would have seen anything like it. (laughs) It all seems so glamorous, flipping houses and renovating and running B&Bs, but what is it like managing them in reality? It's pretty straightforward. I have completed the hosting masterclass, which is operated by Sarah Andrews. I did that class because like I'd styled and done my places, but I just wanted to know how to operate 
a B&B effectively and smoothly with minimal input. So I've absolutely nailed that. Like everything's sort of automated, but I'm always across messages. I'm always touching in with guests and it's just such a personal thing because you've done up these places and put your heart and soul into them and a lot of your personal possessions are also in these properties and so it's probably switching off emotionally if somebody's a bit rough in a review or say something like somebody said the other day they loved staying there Um, it was also beautiful except for the dead hydrangeas (laughs) I was just like, okay, cool. And you just have to rise above it. And if you had a really hard day with the kids or I don't know, just you've had a long day on the farm or you're sort of navigating stuff personally, you're just like, oh, just you have to just learn to be a bit Teflon about it. And yeah, it's um, I love that. I do think about that. You know, if you 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 are constantly dealing with people and they are coming on a holiday. So you want to be able to provide the best experience that you possibly can for them. But I'm sure, by and large, all your feedback would be so gorgeous because it's just beautiful <laughs> places, right? Yeah, it, it, it's it's overwhelming. And I think that's probably when you do get some feedback that's not positive, you're just like, oh, but it's always so good. What did I do wrong? And you're just like, oh, get over it. Things happen. Like I probably left an empty bottle in the kitchen when I sort of cleared it out the other day or something. Like who knows? But You can't always be perfect. That's the problem. But I think it was going back to me not excelling at school, but now I'm sort of making up for that by really putting like everything into what now I've discovered is my real passion. So it's probably like getting a B plus in an assignment at school where you sort of are really hard on yourself. Whereas I'm like, yes, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Do you think there'll be more to come? There is. There's something happening. We've just purchased a place 50 minutes from home on the east coast of Tasmania so it's a beach shack 50 minutes from home we will be using it all summer long and all the school holidays like it's yeah my husband can commute to and from and we're in the process of getting that all finished off we set ourselves pretty hard timelines that's for sure (laughs) it must be hard to I'm sure it's very adrenaline based it must be hard to kind of step away from that or when you do you sort of think oh life's a bit boring need to yeah I think it's a it's an addiction we definitely really thrive on it but yeah this is this is it this will be the last one we do yeah, we're at capacity, I think. We're satisfied. We're very happy. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Yeah, this place will just be perfect for us. So it's in Orford, which is on the east coast. So it's an hour up from Hobart, heading towards Coles Bay and Freycinet and Binalong Bay. So it's the beginning of the east coast drive in Tasmania, 200 metres from the beach. 200 metres from a coffee shop. I'm excited. Oh. <laughs> and what's, what's it like there? It's a real shack town. There's a lot of people from Hobart who have shacks there. There are endless amounts of beaches. There's nippers there. So the kids will go to nippers in summer, which is just, that's got me so excited. It's reminiscent of what I knew as a child growing up around sort of Port Ferry and Peterborough in Victoria, where we used to holiday. And it's just all the things that you think of if you were growing up in the 80s and 90s, just jumping on your bike and mm. hanging around to your friends. 
house up the street, getting an ice cream. It's all so low key and free for the kids. It's just, yeah, really good for the kids and us. (laughs) Walk everywhere. I wonder if you think about in the future, if you will sort of monetize your experience and share with other people how to do their own B&Bs. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm not particularly good at articulating myself, so <laughs> it'd probably be a flop. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> it's fun telling the story though, and I'm always happy to talk to people and, yeah, friends who are starting out things and they're like, how do you do this? How do you do that? It's, yeah, it's, it's fun to sort of share your experiences. I'm sure you yeah. do have a huge kind of black book of little tips and tricks and things that can save you time and money along the way. Absolutely. It's all in your head as well. I should really probably put it into a black book, like you say, because maybe one day my head will explode and I won't remember anything. (laughs) (laughs) Are you surprised that they are booked out all the time? Are they booked out all the time? Bruni is always booked out, but that doesn't surprise me just because Bruni Island is Bruni Island. It's a destination. It's an island off an island off an island. So mm-hmm. it's very alluring for people. And yeah, Rafa is booked out quite a bit. It's a country town. There's a lot happening in that country town in Oatlands. There's a new whiskey distillery, which is huge. It's yeah, it's it's just becoming a real destination town. So it's just beginning to plonk itself firmly on the tourism map which is awesome and just Tasmania it is just Mm -hmm. such a destination for people especially in the last few years when people have only been able to travel within Australia it's Australians discovering what they do have in their backyard and how lucky they are and Tasmania is just right there on the hit list I want to go to Queensland but Tasmania is really beautiful as well (laughs) I chase the heat people chase the cold oh yes Tassie's definitely on our list. I don't know why we haven't got down there. I think you always we always want to head away in winter because it's so cold yeah. here. And the thought yeah. of going to Tassie is not not at that time. Doesn't tick the warm box, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, we get snow on the farm, so Oatlands is a bit chilly in winter. Yeah. Oh, I reckon autumn and spring are the times to come to Tassie. It is just stunning. It mm. is a beautiful climate, really. What's the best way to find you or for people to reach out to you, Soph? I have websites for the properties um, and I also have Instagram. So I'm always on Instagram, really. It's Rafa House on Instagram and then Bruni Boat House. Pretty original. And then the websites are just the same, .com.au. So it's been so nice to reconnect with you and learn a bit more about what you're doing down in Tassie. So thanks so much for sharing your story with me. Thank you for having me, Sky. It's been fun to reconnect. (laughs) Are you guys like me? I just have this niggling dream to create a B&B on our farm. And in fact, I think we all should if we're lucky enough to live on a farm. I think there is so much opportunity here. But for me, at least, opportunity doesn't mean any skill in design and renovation management and so many other things. So for the moment, I'm pretty happy just to get lost in Sophie's creations. Honestly, do yourself a favour and check out her accounts on Instagram or the websites because it's such a feast for the eyes. 
Thank you, as always, for listening to Company. If you want more goodness from the Manson Podcasting Network, including more podcasts, reading lists and Instagram finds, you can sign up for free or you can become a paid subscriber for just $49 a year. Company on sundays.substack.com. <laughs>